Welcome to season two of the Paper Talk podcast, where we have candid conversations with artists and industry leaders from around the world. Our goal is to share knowledge, connect our community, and elevate the artistry of our craft. Hi, I'm Jesse Chu. Hello, I am Quinn Wynn, and we are the founders of the Paper Floors Collective. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Paper Talk. On this week's episode, episode 45, we are speaking to Tiffany McIsaac of the Freedom Factory Toronto. So just some background information for you guys. I met Tiffany last year during a group exhibition at the Freedom Factory. It was called the Visual Arts Movement. It was a group show. Tiffany approached me. I made an application. I showed at the show. There were about 60 artists also there as well. It was my first group show. It was amazing. It was just super exciting. Tiffany and her mother made the whole event really interesting, really comfortable for all of us new artists. It was located in Toronto at their gallery. I mean, I'll let Tiffany talk a little bit more about her gallery, but my personal experience was just such an eye-opening experience to be involved in the local art community in Toronto, to get to know these judges who work in the art community, to get to know Tiffany and her mother as well. It was an amazing show. I ended up being in the top 10, uh, second. I played second, (laughs) Uh, which was really amazing for me as well. Um, First, because it was my first show, but also having paper flowers kind of represent the art community and our own personal community as well. I think that was a really cool achievement. I think traditionally people think paper flowers are the, you know, backdrop. Things that you see on, you see maybe at craft shows, but it's not often that you see it as a mixed media sculpt at an art gallery. So it was actually a huge honor for me to be present there and to show what, you know, our community is capable of. So I'm going to let Tiffany talk a little bit about her art gallery. So Tiffany. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Tell Um, us a little bit about the Freedom Factory Toronto. What's your philosophy behind it? You know, how you run it, what you do for it, all those good things. Yeah. So um, the Freedom Factory is a no commissioned art gallery in West Queen West. We believe that creativity is not a talent you're born with. It's a state of mind. And so when you're living life from a place of creativity, opportunities are endless. And the business actually started with a workshop called Creativity Unleashed. And it's all around that using uh, yoga and meditation and energy work to teach people how to tap into their creative energy. And we would go into corporate environments and teach people that creativity equals productivity. And just that it's important, whether you're a visual artist or an accountant um, or a teacher, you need creativity in your life. And so we started doing these workshops and simultaneously curating some group shows. And eventually the visual arts movement that you were in was born out of that. And then things just kept growing until we eventually had uh, our own gallery. And so, yeah, artists who show with us get to keep 100% of their sales. We subsidize that by being an event space as well. So everything from influencer events to micro weddings happen and the revenue that we get from that is what allows artists to keep their sales. Can you tell us a little bit about what the difference between your gallery is and let's say a traditional gallery? Yeah, I think the only difference, the main difference really would be the commission. So we do tend to work mostly with emerging artists. I'd say that's sort of our specialty, although we have worked with a lot of professional artists as well who are choosing to also not pay commission. Um, <laughs> if you don't have to, why would you? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but that's the main thing is that you get to keep your sales. We still mm-hmm. do everything thing that a regular gallery would do for you. We just hustle and make our money from a <laughs> How big is your space? It's about 900 square feet. That's a pretty good size. Yeah. And it faces the street as well. Yeah. So we're right on Dover Court, just south of Queen. It's really, it's a really cute space. I actually, 
funny thing, when my friends came to visit me during the visual arts movement event, one of my friends reminded me that we've been there before. We've been in your space before. Yeah, we had come to a pop-up restaurant of like a, it's a friend of a friend and they they had a pop-up restaurant at your location. Are they lawyers? Don't think though. I think, oh, actually, you know what? Possibly. I think he, the chef, did Mm -hmm. it on the side. Mm -hmm. Like it was a side hobby. He wasn't an actual, like he didn't do it on a daily basis, obviously, because it's a pop-up. So maybe, yes. Uh, but it was, it would have been a few weeks before that. Rented the space out and turned it into a mini restaurant, but they, it was just their passion. Yes, they, it like, probably was that. Yeah, and they, they just sold tickets. Other jobs. Yeah, they just really like loved the cook of, and yeah, through, the restaurant. Yeah, through mouth of, through just friends, really. Mm-hmm. They didn't That's do so any ads, fun. I don't think. Yeah. yeah, it was so interesting. I was like, oh yeah, it is a space. Obviously, I didn't notice it when I went in. I was like, oh, just like really focused on the artwork that was there. But when my friend came, she's like, yeah, I remember this location. Because it's such a, it's a really interesting location, right? It's like really, it's in, what do you call it? It's really in the community. And it's really, it's kind of like, it staggers like the old and the new. Yeah. So I think that's why my friend remembered. But yeah, it's really cool. It faces the the street. And so when you were walking by it, you can actually see everything that's going on. But I mean, while I was there, yeah, I mean, you hung everything for me, for us. You you like arranged everything. You sold tickets as well during mm-hmm. the event. So I'm assuming that's how you recuperated some of your costs. There was a live band there as well. That's the only show that we actually charge to get in. All of our other shows are free, but that particular one, because we want to pay all of our... For sure. Yeah, for sure. I just thought it was really interesting in terms of the concept of supporting Mm -hmm. local artists, you know, emerging artists and artists who really don't necessarily know how to get one, get into a show or be shown at all. Mm -hmm. Just having that opportunity, knowing that process. And I think it's your gallery is so accessible. I think Mm -hmm. it's that's the word. It's accessible not only to artists, but also to buyers who want to buy beautiful art and support local artists. And I think that's really admirable, especially when traditional galleries can be very intimidating for emerging artists. Like I wouldn't have no idea where to go. And then also have, being in group shows, just having a taste of what it's like to have some of your work as opposed to, you know, like instead of having a huge number of pieces being shown, mm-hmm. just to kind of test out, you know, is this my style? Is this what the art community is looking for? And mm-hmm. then getting feedback, like getting mm-hmm. direct feedback from judges that I, you know, I've never been in any other shows, but having that opportunity to also talk to these, the art community members, essentially, mm-hmm. right? Other members who have galleries or they run their own craft shows or part of art associations, having that kind of feedback and having a direct feedback to these individuals who evaluate your work and have frank discussions with you, you don't get those opportunities just by knocking on someone's door. Mm -hmm. You know, you were able to provide that. So Tiffany, how did you find Jessie and invite her to this art um, movement? I probably found you on Instagram. I think it was on Instagram. You messaged me on Instagram. Yeah, that's like the great thing about this show. And it's kind of like how it was born was out of my own frustrations and remembering what it was like when I was starting out to show my own work. And I remember going for like drinks with friends that were showing or artists I had met during the show afterwards and like hearing everyone naturally just kind of complain about the frustrations of what it's like as an artist to start out. I was a social worker in a previous life. <laughs> well, um, so previous life. Yeah, I know. So previous life. The, the social worker in me is like, well, let's not Like, I need to actually start something to fix this then rather Mm -hmm. than just being frustrated. And so that's what we wanted to do is create a show. So this one show that we do a year is juried. And so we 
pull in from different experts from around the city, whether they work for places like an arts foundation, sort of like resources for artists, or whether they own galleries or they're independent curators, people that can actually make a difference in your career. And then there's also the prizes. So you can win like solo shows in our space, other people's spaces. You can win money, you can win resources, like Mm -hmm. help with social media, content creation, that kind of stuff. But so that's the great thing when you actually are in that show, you have all those judges there and you can, like you said, like actually tap into all of their knowledge and get that feedback and have those discussions. But a lot of the artists that show in this visual arts movement, it is their first show. And I found a lot of them on social media and it's something like I'll see one piece that I love just by happenstance and message this person like, where did this? I remember the very first visual arts movement we did. I found one piece and messaged, his name was Nick Shinbin, messaged him saying like, this piece is incredible. Did you do it? Do you have more? Like you mm-hmm. have to show with us. And he ended up winning the whole thing. Oh wow. Um, again, his very first show for you was your first show. You mm-hmm. second. It's like a lot of people just need that put. I think when you have a gallery that's focused on sales as their revenue source, you're always looking for just established artists because you need a track record of proven sales because that's going to be ultimately what funds you. But for us, we're just looking for artists that we believe in because that's not where we're making all of our money. It's not coming directly from your sales. So we want to be able to kind of give you that platform to get started, to maybe get into those other galleries later where you need that track record. We can help you build it. So it's nice to just be looking Looking for artists whose art we love, that we believe in, that we see some potential and be able to give them that opportunity just through talking on Instagram. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Social media has opened doors for so many emerging artists. Mm-hmm. It's so Absolutely. wonderful. And it really hats off to you for creating such an incredible environment for new beginning artists to like spread their wings and recognize their confidence that their mm-hmm. art pieces are so incredible. Yeah, you just need that like one time sometimes mm-hmm. of showing. You just have yeah. to do it once to realize that like <laughs> it's not that scary. Part of what might hold some artists back is this a pre kind of this notion, this idea of pre-notion or what they think is an artist mm-hmm. and they don't feel like they fit that mold. For example, it's like, you know, a lot of us pick up this art as a hobby, learning from other people and then turning it into our own. So some people might think, well, you know, I'm just doing it out of my basement. I'm doing it during my free time. I'm not trained mm-hmm. in any way in terms of in the fine arts, I don't have fine arts degree. I'm not trained under anybody. I, I don't go, I, I don't have a certification. I don't have a certificate oh. that says, oh, I'm you know certified in this fine art. And I guess part of that makes it difficult for us to, one, be involved in a, the arts community to begin with, because mm-hmm. we're not in that. We don't have colleagues who do art. We don't have those connections, let's be honest. Yeah. And then two, not really knowing what is art. Is our work art? How does it compare to other people's arts? And then also, obviously also, how does the world view us and our work? Is it art? And so, I mean, I pose this question to you and I think I've talked to you about it before is, you know, when you look for a new emerging artist, what do you, what do you look for? And I'm assuming it's not, you know, sorry, I'm assuming it's kind of, can be subjective, Mm -hmm. but what, and this might be rhetorical as well, but you know, what is art to you? You know, when you do invite somebody to show at your gallery, what makes them stand out versus someone else? And I'm not saying that someone else is not doing art, Mm -hmm. but 
what makes it special for you? Well, I think like the idea of what is art and while in many ways, I'm definitely an advocate for going to art school. I myself did not. All of the barriers and perimeters, it's all a social construct. And some of the most talented artists that I know are self-taught. Like while I think that art school can teach you actual techniques and things that will strengthen your work. And that's amazing. Ultimately, is it not just like a manifestation of our imagination and expression? And I don't know how you could actually like, how do you qualify art to put boxes and barriers and you're an artist if you do this and that isn't the whole point of art is to not have boxes and parameters and so to start lumping people into those categories and while you are if you did this and you are like I think that's the Mm -hmm. opposite of what art is it's definitely not the philosophy that um, we have at the Freedom Factory what I Mm -hmm. look for I mean obviously technical skill that's amazing I'm looking for like someone with something to say someone with a point of view I also think that art is subjective. So some of the things I once had someone drop off work, which during in a submission, I thought was like a framed piece or would be a framed piece. I kind of thought I was looking at some work in progress and then I, it got dropped off and it was literally just the work on like ripped line pieces of paper, not framed. And I was sort of like, <laughs> what the hell am I supposed to do with this? But <laughs> I had already accepted it. It was my fault for not being more thorough. Um, so I kind of like put it in the back of the show. And just was like, let's see what the reaction to this is. And all five pieces of paper yeah. sold. That's because wow. people loved how nonchalant it was. They loved whatever. It's like people are going to resonate mm-hmm. with things in a different way. Obviously, certain work yeah. has more value for a number of reasons, but I don't know. Yeah. I Do those surprise you? I mean, like as a curator, you obviously have an eye uh-huh. for certain things, uh-huh. right? Some pieces that draw you to it, you might not uh-huh. be able to explain why, but does it surprise you sometimes where, you know, you've got a lineup of artwork that you've curated, you think, oh, this one's going to do really well. But funny enough, other people resonate with other pieces. Does that does that say anything to you? I don't know. Like, does that say anything to you in terms of the trends too, or in terms of what aesthetic people tend to prefer? Or is it just kind of like, you know what, just this year, <laughs> a group of people tend to like this type of artwork. I do find of that it's sort of like this year, a group of people tend to like this kind of artwork. It's interesting. One of the shows that you really see it in is our Christmas show. We do like an affordable art fair at Christmas. And I have a lot of um, like returning artists for that show. And one year an artist will do so well I'll have to get them to bring me more work like two times because they're just selling out because everyone that's coming through the doors wants that artist's work. The next year, that artist sells nothing and someone else has to bring me their work two, three times. Interesting. It's like Mm -hmm. this weird collective energy from the buyers of like everyone kind of being drawn to similar Mm. things. And right when I think I have it figured out as to why and what and how it isn't. And so it's kind of like, there isn't necessarily a rhyme or reason to why things sell. And that's what I really try to talk to emerging artists about. Even my own work, the things that I love the most, I still own. And the pieces that I did that I was reluctant to show sold right away. And I don't know why Mm -hmm. it's just whatever resonated with those people at the time. I Part of me thinks it's also the universe letting me keep my favorite pieces. <laughs> but it's also, you know, there's certain shows I've done with my own work where I sell nothing and the next show I sell nothing and the next show I sell nothing and the next show I sell everything. Mm-hmm. You know, don't let sales discourage you. And then I have a lot of artists who want to start painting 
just because that thing sold. And then they get into this kind of like dangerous path of just seeking sales and not really painting from your heart. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I think, do you think there needs to be a story? I think I talked to you about this because some of the judges, some, and I, okay, when I say judges, it's just some art people believe there should be stories behind Mm -hmm. pieces. So let's say you're a flower, your arrangement versus some judges thought that, no, there didn't need to be any of that. It's just Mm -hmm. a feeling. It's just the colors Mm -hmm. or it's just a style. What are your thoughts on that? I don't think it needs to be anything. I think if like what you're creating is actually coming from a place that has a story and something that you want to say and express it, then great. But sometimes we're creating just literally as like a visceral response to something that we're feeling and it's just what comes out at the at the time and I think being in that flow state where things are just coming and you're creating is so important and just let that happen rather than trying to control a narrative mm-hmm. how would an artist approach an art gallery what are the process and what how many art pieces did they need to have to showcase and show value to a curator that did the right fit for a particular gallery for us we if you're looking to have a solo exhibition with us you can contact us at any time Um, And we'll kind of go from there. We've had shows with six pieces. We've had shows with 80 pieces. So I don't think there needs to be a certain amount. It's sort of, do you have the work to convey whatever message you're trying to convey with regards to a solo exhibition? Not that there needs to necessarily be a story behind every piece, but that you're conveying who you are as an artist and getting across what you want to say with your art, whatever that looks like. So if you can do that in six pieces, amazing. If you need 80 to do that, then... That's great too. And then in terms of our group shows, we put out calls for submission and most galleries, if you go on their website, you can see also where they have open calls listed and that's where they're telling you exactly what they're looking for and exactly how they want you to apply. So for different shows, it looks different, but it will give you the submission guidelines and outline. We want to know this about you. We want you to send us the following information, following photos in this format. One thing I will say to emerging artists is please read that carefully. And and I think if you, if you want to be a professional artist, then ultimately like be professional, treat it the same way you would if you were applying for a job. And so whatever the, you know, insurance company or whatever agency you'd be applying for when they say we need these things in your application, like treat submitting for a show as seriously as that because it really helps me as a curator sort of go through and saves a lot of time asking for information later and just makes you look as professional as possible. To be honest, like I've turned away some of the best artists in terms of their work because either they're divas or they're unprofessional or I can't get what I need from them. And like, it's not worth it at the end of the day because I really don't think talent is rare. I think the internet has shown us that talent is not rare. There's so many amazing talented artists out there. And so one of the ways you can set yourself apart is to actually like read and follow instructions, make the curator's life easier. But I don't typically respond to artists just sending me their work because I'm too busy. Like I can't really remember you later necessarily. No, that's understanding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why you have mm-hmm. calls, right? But I do often find myself like searching if I have a show and I know I'm trying to get this particular thing, I often will be like, I reached out to Jesse, you know, I think you work for this show. Mm-hmm. And that was on Instagram. So uh, social media being so powerful. What kind of advice would you give to an emerging artist in terms of showing their work on social media? It's funny. I think it's kind of dying. I actually, if you 
follow us. I'm eventually um, in the coming months going to be posting a talk with Bo Pinto, who's our sort of social media expert. And we've done a lot of talks with Mm -hmm. him. I think he was probably one of the judges in the show that you were in, but he's a social media marketing expert. And we've been having a lot of conversations about this lately since being in isolation and stuff. I think people are really asleep on social media now because it's just also think like the algorithm, it's too much. too much? And everything's changed. So unless you have a ton of money to like dump into paid advertising, and by that I mean like a ton of money because I don't think it's really doing anything to just put small amounts in. I think there's Mm -hmm. people that got like ahead of the curve and really became heavy influencers. And for those people, it's still great. But if you were sort of late to that party, I think you have to put a ton of money into it at this point. And I think... Mm -hmm. And and you mean like put a lot of money into it to be seen? And so... And then even once you do that, I think, I think it's great still as far as like connecting with people and having your work seen and that sort of thing. But I don't think it's going to translate necessarily into sales. I don't think people are actually like following Mm -hmm. through with things they're seeing on Instagram or Facebook right now. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's switched Mm -hmm. over to Pinterest. So if anybody's looking to sell their products, it's curating Mm -hmm. your Pinterest board in the right way and knowing who your avatar, Mm -hmm. your customer avatar is. I think that's the biggest key on Mm -hmm. getting the sales. But for an art gallery, it's completely different. How would you, I guess the question is, if we have, I I believe we have several florist artists in our industry that really want to knock on that Mm -hmm. fine art door. Uh, What's the best way to get noticed besides using your social media platform using the right hashtag? Do you approach your local art gallery? Do you approach a national art gallery? How do you prepare yourself to present yourself in the best possible light to get their attention? Yeah, I definitely think approach, apply. Like, you know, I have people ask me all the time, can I apply with this? Like, why not? I mean, I think that, you know, Jessie's a great example where she won. Like people loved it. And that was going again, oil landscape paintings and fine art. And so it's like, I think people want to see something different and unique. And honestly, it blew my mind when you actually started to look at these flowers where every single individual thing was hand painted and like it, it blew my mind. They looked real. I couldn't believe it. And so you really have people (laughs) completely taken away and it's, it is nice to like show something different and offer something unique. And so I think at the end of the day, all you can ever hear is no. And if you hear no, you're exactly where you were when you started. So just put it out there and ask, submit to things. Don't mm-hmm. think, oh, well, mine's not a painting or mine's not this. Like it never hurts to try to put your stuff out there. And then always yeah, thinking about... And don't let no. it get down to you. A no is a no, but mm-hmm. believe in your art and keep... If you believe in it enough, you're going to keep mm-hmm. knocking on other people's door. And eventually one day you'll be known. And I think too, thinking sometimes of... So for example, we had one artist who did sort of really like particular like drag style portrait and they were amazing and the show was well attended and everybody loved it but it's something so specific you may or may not want on your living room and so Mm -hmm. nothing sold and it's like okay but the work is incredible let's not get discouraged that it didn't sell let's start thinking about places that it might sell and so Mm -hmm. you know it was like take this stuff to a cosmetic surgeon's office in the village and maybe they want it for their waiting Mm -hmm. room and sure enough like it sold Mm -hmm. and they got a ton of commission work out of it and so it's like Sometimes thinking, who can you partner with? Who can you, where else can you take this? So yeah, I guess thinking about like, 
alternative, you know, maybe you're getting a step out there by contacting like stagers in terms of flowers, like just getting creative, you know, like maybe there's a big brand that you partner with. Mm-hmm. Jesse and I, we've talked about mm-hmm. that before with the flowers and like stuff that's yeah. like, Oh, I should tell you my story. I should tell. Okay. Unfortunately, because of this pandemic, it's been on hold, but I don't know if I, if you remember by what I told you was it wasn't even just showing at somewhere. It was being exposed to a community of people mm-hmm. who are interested in art. And I came across somebody who was there to support his friend who was showing beside me. He saw my work, posted my work on his Instagram stories. His ex contacted him and said, who is this person? And I need to meet her. I need to work with her on, uh, because he's an event coordinator for a really big luxury brand. And I'm not going to say it yet because nothing's been confirmed, but the, the whole the whole part, uh, sorry, purpose of my story is you don't know who you're going to, Mm -hmm. who's going to see your work. Mm -hmm. You don't know who you're going to meet. And it wasn't, you know, that, that luxury brand person wasn't there, but he saw somebody, his ex or whoever Mm -hmm. post something, asked about it. And that's how we got connected. So you don't, you don't know. It's just kind of putting yourself out there and seeing, um, putting yourself out there, there to a group of people who are interested in art, who appreciate art. And you don't know, maybe they don't like your, your work this time, but the next time you show, they love your work. So it's, yeah. So that, that's my little story. That's always what I say. Like, even if you're not sure you want to do shows on the long term, it's a great way to just get to know your local that's art community. That's the great community. thing about really showing is. your work too, is that even if you don't necessarily sell something, a lot of opportunities can come from it as far as like, maybe somebody commissions you to do something else or mm-hmm. yeah, that opportunities yep. that you never thought were going to come up, end up coming up as a result of having been in the show. Yeah. 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 And that's how I got my Nordstrom account with them. It's because I went to an event, I was showing my stuff around and I had no idea. There was this one guy that was so excited about my work and I've never seen a male guy <laughs> get so excited. And he was like, we got to work together. It's like, okay, that'd be great. And at that point, I didn't realize he had properly introduced himself. And so he was actually the social media content maker for Nordstrom. And so we ended up doing the first day of spring for a couple of years on doing promo ad for mm-hmm. them. So that was really, really fun. You never know who mm-hmm. you're talking to. Always present mm-hmm. yourself in the best light. Yeah, exactly. You never know. Yeah. You don't. Um, speaking of which, I mean, in terms of collaborating and and and, and um, considering who your, your your perfect avatar is, Tiffany, I know that recently you yes. started doing micro weddings. Oh, um, so, fun. yeah, I, I, at okay. her gallery. Yes, what? that's amazing. Mm-hmm. So, tell us a little bit about that. It's so it's so interesting. It's such yeah, an interesting. We're so concept. excited about it. So we, like I said, do events in the space. We do weddings in the space. We've worked with a lot of different planners. And we've done some where people have come in, and we've been the planner. And so we kept getting the same question of, well, how much do you charge for weddings for the space? It's like, well, the rate we just gave you. No, I know, but for a wedding, how much do you charge? (laughs) And it's like, I do, right before opening the gallery, I was working in hospitality and managing restaurants and doing events, but you know, they don't typically change the price for a wedding. And so it never really occurred to me like, oh, this is what venues do. They up their price if it's a wedding. (laughs) So crazy. Yeah. (laughs) So so we had this one couple come to us and say, we just canceled our wedding. We lost all our deposits, but we don't care because the big wedding isn't for us. We want something small and intimate, but we only have this much money left to work with for the whole thing. Like, can you work with us? It's like, yeah. And our, our heart just went out to them and it made us realize that this is definitely something that we need more of is like accessible, but still beautiful weddings. So we came up with 
micro weddings Toronto. And it's basically a $3,000 free hour wedding for 30 people with everything included. And we're able to do that by hiring local artists to do all of the element. And so we're paying like normal prices for things, not wedding prices for things. And we're able to pay a local photographer who's struggling to show their shots in galleries and get themselves out there. We're able to pay them and you're getting amazing, beautiful, artistic shots. Everything from like hiring someone to paint the cake to flowers to everything. It's like all done locally. And we're kind of saying like invest in your marriage, not your wedding. And I think especially Mm -hmm. right now with this whole pandemic, it really shows that you need to save your money for a rainy day because you never know what's going to happen. And so this idea of spending 50,000, 100,000 on a day when you don't need to, you know, three to 5,000 on something that's still like a beautiful experience and save your money for what really matters in life. So yeah, we're really excited about it. That's so awesome. Well, thank you so much, Tiffany. That was, I mean, I love talking to you and I can see why Jesse really enjoys meeting you and showcasing your artwork. Really appreciate your time today. Yeah, thank you so much, Tiffany. It's been a joy to catch up with you. And since last year with the micro weddings, like that's such a interesting concept. Also interesting for us as paper florists too, because we're all about weddings and all about um, supporting, well, we're a lot of, sorry, our clients Mm -hmm. like to support local artists, local paper florists as well. So keep your bouquets. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's like, like you said, it's having your favorite artist, let's say, decorate your, your ceremony site. Exactly. Kind of thing. So such an interesting concept when you raised it with us. But yeah, thank you so much. We're going to leave your social media handles on our blog. So we'll do that as well, especially with the visual arts movement. Hopefully you'll be able to have be mm-hmm. able to organize that in the upcoming months. If you any of you listening are local in the Toronto Greater Toronto area, make sure you take a take a look at the Visual Arts Movement application page. I strongly strongly recommend that you try to apply. Like Tiffany said. A no is just a no, but if it's a yes, I mean, you never know, like your doors might open and it's, it's just a great opportunity, I think in general to also be able to talk to other artists. So yeah, be sure to apply and yeah, thanks so much, thank Tiffany, you so much for, for stopping by. Thank you.